relationship habits. And the thought behind relationship habits is we are here in our relationships, but God wants us to continue to grow and to develop. And there's no way we do that while we just somehow arrive And somehow I just arrived to be the person that God wants me to be. No, we find it's progressive. And as we develop godly habits into our relationships, we begin to grow and to develop to be the people that God wants us to be and to do the things that God wants us to do. And through the course of the series, we've covered a number of different areas. And this Sunday, we are coming to a conclusion. I'm going to give you one more habit, and this is a very practical habit. As a message, this is going to be a little bit different than I often do in in the past because we're going to have times of reflection all the way through today. So we're going to take little bite-sized pieces and stop for a moment and allow God to speak to us. And then we're going to take another little bite-sized piece and let God speak to us. And you may be able to apply all of these, but my challenge is take one or two. Take a couple of these and see how God can work in, and change in your life. Because as, as a goal, I would say everyone here wants to have happy relationships. I don't think any of you are sadistic enough to say, no, I only want unhappy relationships. I only want conflict in my marriage. I only want conflict when I go to work. I just love it when I fight with my colleagues. We want unity. We want to come together, but how do we do that apart from making some major changes in our life? And God in his kindness and graciousness doesn't say to us, now you know me as Savior, go and work your life out for yourself. And he doesn't say, go and just be perfect. He gives us principles throughout his word that we can begin to apply to our life. And that begins with some acknowledgments. I have three acknowledgments as an introduction this morning. The first acknowledgement is personal responsibility. The second is spiritual warfare. The third is the correct response is prayer. Those are three acknowledgements. The first acknowledgement is personal responsibility. I'm listening to something this week and it helped me come to the realization, and maybe you've come to a similar realization, that I, and you can personalize this for yourself, I have participated in every bad decision that I have ever made. I have actively participated in every bad word that has come out of my mouth. Every bad response and reaction, I have actively participated. And it starts off with an acknowledgement of personal responsibility. It's so much easier to defer to someone else and go, you know, it's all their fault. But we must, first of all, begin with personal responsibility. The second is to recognize that we are in a spiritual warfare. In our world around us, we don't see a lot of the other side, the spiritual side, because we ignore it in our society today. But I firmly believe that Satan and his demons are actively involved in our world and in our society. We must recognize that this isn't just our physical battle that we're in. This isn't just moodiness in our relationships. We are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. We must recognize that we have some really bad relational habits. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, verse number 12, 
it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And you read that and you go, that is scary. How are we possibly going to live a spiritual warfare? And how are we going to have that with our relationships? If we, if we live in a time where it says that we are against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, the correct response when we are in a spiritual warfare is not to fight physically, but to go and allow God to work in us and through us to fight spiritually. And what we find in this passage is a number of different things. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number six, it talks about the armor of God. And it talks about the spiritual armor that we put on and the, the, the various pieces. But then it finishes with prayer. And the third acknowledgement is the correct response when we're in a spiritual warfare is prayer. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The goal for prayer is not to change the mind of God and say, God, I have some really good ideas that you probably haven't considered before. I realize that you're the creator and the sustainer of the universe, but you probably haven't thought of this, so I'm going to tell you what you need to do, God. The real goal of prayer is to turn that totally around and to say, God, how are you going to change me? How are you molding and shaping me? It's so easy to pray prayers of God, give me this, change that, do this. And it becomes a list of wants. But in reality, when we're in a spiritual warfare, prayer begins to change us. I cannot think of a time where I have ever prayed first and then snapped at my wife. You're praying, God, please help me to love and to honor and to care for and to... Will you be quiet? I don't find that at all. When we are praying, God, help me to honor them. It, it changes our mindset. And it changes the way that we view our present circumstances. And it gives us a moment to recognize that many times our relational conflict isn't just because I was grumpy. It's actually a spiritual battle that we're fighting in our homes, in our schools, and in your workplace, in our society around us. You ever stop to think that the conflict that you have with your neighbor may be something spiritual that you need to work out for yourself? and in you and let God change you rather than your neighbor just be quiet. When we are praying, I, as I said before, I cannot think of a time, and I did, I stopped and thought for quite a while this week, that I've ever prayed first and then my immediate response was to snap at my wife or to be angry. Prayer gives the Holy Spirit what I like to refer to as ammunition in our life. If you're in the army, in the military, you are given a rifle and the rifle, you know how to use it and you know how to maintain it and you know it is, a, and they refer to it as a weapon. And in this, the right person's hand, a rifle is a powerful weapon that can you know, literally kill people. But you know what? If you don't have bullets, the weapon of a rifle is basically no better than a stick. 
In a similar way, we can know all about God in our heads. But unless we allow God the ammunition through prayer and the Holy Spirit through prayer, the ammunition to actually fight the battle, we might as well just go and fight with sticks because we're in a spiritual battle, so we have to fight in a spiritual way. We see this in the book of James, chapter number 1, verse 19 and 20, and also in verse 22, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It goes down in verse number 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We also see in James chapter number 4, verse 17, it says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. We're commanded in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. It says, Pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That first Thessalonians passage gives us the real key. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, as a principle for today, and every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life, it is this. In Christ, I can avoid relational conflict by praying first. Remember I said before in that first Thessalonians passage, we pray without ceasing for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, if we go back to our foundational passage that we've been talking about through this entire series, which is 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, and if you've been here every Sunday, you probably begin to memorize this passage. And I hope you have, because it's a tremendous verse. Therefore, if anyone is, and here's the key phrase, in Christ, that is, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are called in Christ. And it says that we are now different as a result. It says that we are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I was studying this week. We developed six different prayers that we can pray in our relationships before we respond. Before we say things we shouldn't say and do things we shouldn't do. Six different prayers. And really, as you go through our relationships, we could have verse after verse, prayer after prayer. And the thought behind this is, rather than just trying to pray eloquently and thinking to ourselves, if I just pray extra eloquent, if I just say the right words, then I can pray without ceasing. Because I want to do the will of God. So how do we know the will of God? So rather than giving you my thoughts, what we're going to do is simply go back to the Word of God, the Bible, and give you some ammunition for our spiritual battles from the Bible. And I'm going to go through these quite quickly. And as we go through these, these are simply Bible verses. When you need these, not if, but when you need these in your life, you'll have some ammunition and God will bring the scriptures to your mind at the time. And you can pray first and then respond. And through that, avoid some serious relational conflict. So we're going to make this practical. As we go through this, we're going to ask a question again and again and again through this entire message. How will your relationships be different if you pray first? 
How will your relationships be different if you pray first? So as we go through these six different prayers and these six different scriptures, I'm not going to give a whole lot of illustrations. We're going to talk through them, and then we're going to take a, a moment. And it's going to be awkward for a few seconds. I'm going to sit in silence for a few moments and let you reflect upon them, and then we'll move on to the next. Let's begin with the first. Pray, first of all, that God deepens our relationships. Pray that God deepens our relationships. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another, as a key word, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. We recognize, and it's pretty obvious, that love is a choice. You cannot force a person to love someone else. You can't manipulate someone into genuine love. But it uses the word to love earnestly. We want not just surface level relationships. We want to go down deeper. We want our relationships to genuinely care for the person. And when you genuinely love someone, when you genuinely love them the way that Jesus Christ and God loves them, we begin to look past the things that would naturally frustrate and annoy us. If you're married... Maybe you've been bruised by your spouse because you are breathing wrong at night. Some of you are laughing because it's happened to the best of us. <laughs> They're breathing. My wife, next Sunday night, she'll be here next Sunday, but next Sunday night she's flying to the U.S. for almost a month. She's going to go to her sister's wedding, and I will be all by myself with the children. And you know what's interesting with that? I was thinking the other night, and this isn't to make me sad or make you feel sorry for me, but you may. I'm going to miss her breathing at night. And you get used to things. I didn't say snoring. I said breathing. And uh, you get used to things, but sometimes when that person annoys you, even their... Be quiet. It says there, above all, keep loving one another earnestly so therefore when you're lying in bed or that person at work annoys you and just their very presence their face is annoying to you or if you're a teacher here that entire class that annoys you you can pray keep loving and you're like dora the, the fish but you know, keep on loving, keep on loving, and reminding yourself, keep on loving, and then respond. How does God want me to respond? So the question is, how will your relationships be different if you pray, God, deepen my relationships? God, will you help me to keep loving one another earnestly? And then respond. So I'm going to take just a moment. And let you mull through that for just, a, for just a few moments, and then we'll move on to the second prayer. Pray that God will deepen your relationships. The second prayer is pray that God will help you love well. Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 2 and 3 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What we see here is a contrast between what we would call selfish love or self-centered love, where you are here to please me, and true genuine love, as in God-honoring love, where we're filtering it through how does God want me to love. And we see a list here in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four, where it says, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, maintaining unity and peace. When you take that and you, we see the attributes of love well, we see humility. We see gentleness or meekness. Meekness is power under control. We contrast that with, God, will you make that person humble? Will you make that person gentle? Will you make that person love? And we turn it around and actually pray that for ourselves. Will you help me to live in humility? Will you help me to live in peace with others around me? So often it's so much easier to defer our responsibility upon our circumstances or someone else. Or even our, our circumstances of saying, you know what, I was really didn't have a good night's sleep, so therefore it gives me permission to not really love you with humility and gentleness and patience and unity and peace. And we, rather than saying, God, will you please help me love well? Will you help me have humility? Those simple little prayers, and these aren't your ideas, this is what the Bible says. The Bible is teaching us to live with gentleness. So therefore, we should ask God, God, help me be patient. Help me bear with another. But not just bear. How we bear with them in love, the way that you love them. How will your relationships be different if you could pray, God, help me love well. And you let the scripture do the talking and the scripture do the changing. Let's just take a moment. How will your relationships be different if you prayed first? We see in the first, pray that God will deepen your relationships. Pray that God will help you love well. And the third is, pray that God will give wisdom and clarity. This right here, I think, is foundational. I want to live in wisdom. Being confused is no fun at all. Not knowing where you're going. Being lost, and maybe this is a man attribute, I don't know. But I don't think any of us really enjoy being lost. You go to a new place and you go, I have no idea where you are. And what happens? You don't just sit back and go, you know, I have no idea where I am. I'm totally lost and I'm late. I'm relaxed. I just love this feeling. Every day should be the day that I feel like I'm lost. We don't find that at all. Naturally, when we're lost, what do we do? We become stressed. So our third point is give wisdom and clarity. And what we, we need to understand is, God, I need to be wise to recognize what the circumstances that I'm in right now. This is a circumstance that I would naturally be, react with grumpiness. I would snap. I would become stressed. Rather than destroy relationships by our grumpiness, we see in the Psalm 90 verse 12, is the prayer. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. A recognition of 
our circumstance, to recognize that we are here for a short period of time and we have no days to waste. This silly joke came to my mind this week. When I was a kid, you may have heard a similar joke. And I remember so distinctly, I was probably in year two or year three, and I can picture where I was at the school, and a, a, a kid obviously had just heard the same joke, and he had to tell someone. And he ran up to me, and he said, Would you rather have dollars or cents? Now, I'm a very literal thinker. Of course, like, I want dollars. And he went, no, which that's silly. Like, of course you want dollars. But he goes, no, if you have dollars without cents, you won't have any money left. You need cents to make money. Like, whatever. But you know, it's a sense as in the, not the C, it's the S-C, as in brain sense. And that's a silly thing that came to my mind, and now, now you know it. Now it's stuck in your head. As you think through and asking God to give you wisdom. Every single one of you this week desperately need the wisdom of God. There's no way we can live this life successfully in our own wisdom. We see our world around us and the ups and downs and the emotions and the, and the back and forth. We need God's wisdom. It says there, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Time flies, and it's very, very short. Our lives are very, very short. Before we know it, we start getting older and older, and you look at the end of your life, and don't look at your parents, because your lives grow and go old too. And as, as time goes on, you recognize how quickly time goes by, and we don't have a day to waste in not living in the wisdom and clarity that God can give to us. So before we react in our stressful circumstances, before we snap at something, we can stop and say, God, teach me to number my days. God, will you give me a heart of wisdom? And then respond. How different will your relationships be if you prayed first? Just take a moment. we think through these prayers the fourth prayer pray that god will help you communicate with compassion sometimes we think of compassion as an area of weakness as in if you're not strong enough then you can be a very compassionate person as opposed to a strong person i would like to be a person that has strength that knows what is right that stands up for what is true but communicates it in a way that is kind and compassionate when i was in college in the u.s i had a friend his name was Adam, and Adam was incredibly talented. He played the saxophone, and he was tremendous, a great personality, but he suffered with a character flaw that he began to recognize. His character flaw was that he would say things that would make the rest of us laugh, but would hurt people in the process. And as a result of that, as he was going through college, he was recognizing, and this is a very practical uh, reaction, he was wondering, why won't girls talk to me? 
And as he went on, he came to the realization after literally talking to some of, of the college professors about it. And he said, you lack tact. You speak first and then think and then wonder why girls don't like you. So his response was something that wasn't con- totally permanent, and I believe it has changed because he's married with several children, and he's happily married, rather, with several children. And he wrote on his knuckles, T-A-C-T, tact. Now, if you're not familiar with that word, it's a word that means, I'll, ri- I'll read the definition for you, a keen sense of what to say or do to avoid giving offense skill in dealing with others or difficult issues. And so he wrote on his knuckles in a permanent marker, tact. And every time he was about to say what he would naturally say, he would look down at his knuckles and go, shut up, Adam. Here we see in Proverbs chapter number 15, verses 1 and 4, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh words stir up anger. And we have the promise in verse number four. It says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. If you have someone that speaks kindly and encouraging to you and, and tells you the hard truth in a kind way, it's actually something that's sweet to you. Receiving counsel and finding out, sorry, you were wrong can be taken in a way that's so negative and actually cause division, or it can be done with compassion and tact and love, where we actually, as it says there, but perverseness is in, in it breaks the spirit. We can do something that actually brings life while still telling the truth. As Christians, we're called to tell the truth. We're called to tell people some of the most difficult news they're ever going to hear but we're called to do it in the most loving way. We're called to tell people that they are, and this is hard to hear, that they are sinners. We're called to tell people that if they don't know Jesus Christ as a Savior, the Bible teaches that they are going to have eternity separated from God and their purpose in a place called hell. None of us want to go and say, that in an unkind or uncompassionate way, because we understand, but for Jesus Christ, we would be there too. We as Christians have been given the command and the commission to go and tell the world the most difficult to palate news with the most wonderful response. And if we fail to do it with compassion, we will never get to the good news. We'll only get to the bad news of saying, you are a sinner, and that's it. And that leaves people hurt. So let's just take a moment. How different will your relationships be if you pray, God, help me communicate with compassion if we prayed that first? Just take a moment. Our fifth prayer is pray to God for healing in broken relationships. Now, not all relationships need to be brought back together. Not all relationships mean that just forgive and there's no consequences. Sometimes in relationships, there's forgiveness, but still there's separation. Not not everything's come together, but we do find we don't want to remain in, in a time of carrying around burdens and carrying around hatred that is not ours to carry around. We see in the book of Ephesians, chapter number four, verse 26 and also in verse 32. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, which is fantastic advice in every relationship, especially in the marriage relationship. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The very first verse I taught my children, literally as they began to talk, was be kind one to another. And it's really cute when you see little kids say that verse. The reason why we taught that to them first is because we wanted our children to know they are to be kind to one another, particularly my son to his sisters. The very first verse my parents taught me was, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But I taught my children, be kind to one another. And you think about the first part is, be angry and do not sin. We understand that there's things in our world that should make us angry. There are hurts and there are, uh, there are crime going on. There's injustice that goes on. There's bigotry that happens that should make us angry, but it should not lead us to sin. Jesus himself, when he cleansed the temple, he was up in the temple and he recognized that the temple was not being used uh, for a place of worship to God. It was being used as a place to make money and cheat people. And as a result of that, Jesus went through and cleansed the temple. And he said this, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You make it a den of robbers. You see, there's some steps to healing prayer. When it talks about be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you, we see, first of all, this kindness. Be kind. So in other words, in a healing prayer, there's an action involved, an action of kindness. We also see there's an attitude of tender-heartedness or sympathy for the other person, trying to understand where that other person's perspective is. So there's an action of kindness. There's an attitude of tender-heartedness, and I could not find another A word. So it is a releasing of forgiving. We see in that simple verse there, and our motivation isn't just because it's a good thing to do. It's because we ourselves have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. So with our relationships and healing and broken relationships and praying the prayer of be kind to one another, forgiving one another, being tender hearted because Jesus Christ, we're forgiven in God through Jesus Christ. How will your relationships be different if you pray that prayer first? How will it be when you drive home and that person cuts you off if you took a moment and prayed first? Our points in our prayers uh, pray that God will deepen your relationships, help you to love well, give you wisdom and clarity. Pray and ask God to help you communicate with compassion and healing in broken relationships. And the final is a prayer of ask God, will you help me to be faithful in times of adversity? Colossians chapter number three. Verses 12 through 14, it says, put on. That's a key phrase in the very beginning of put on. So when we see something like that, is they're going to tell us there's some action behind this. Put on then as God's chosen one. 
holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, now he's going that word again, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The opposite of this is, God, I live in a dirty world, and can I just remain there? I want to remain unloving. I want to remain intolerant. I want to remain cruel. I want to remain bold in in my sinfulness and pride. I want to remain in my impatience or remain complaining or remain carrying around the burdens of past hurts. That's not what we want at all. So therefore, as it says there, put on love, which binds everything together. In times of difficulty, in times of adversity, we can pray to God and say, God, will you help me to put on love in this difficult situation? And I have no doubt that as you go home today, you're going to have an opportunity to pray one of these prayers. Pray the scripture and let the scripture do the talking in your life and do the changing in your life. And let God make the change in your life. And finally, this morning is we're going to ask that question one more time. How different will your relationships be if you prayed first? God, help me to be faithful in these times of adversity. In a moment's time, we're going to pray and then we'll, we'll sing a song. We'll have some announcements and then we'll be out the door. And this is so easy to quickly forget. My challenge to you is to begin thinking through as we even begin right now. How many arguments and misunderstandings and sleepless nights and times of regret and having to ask for forgiveness because we've said or done the wrong thing will be avoided if we prayed first. How different will our relationships be? So let's begin to put that into practice. And then as we come through this week, if your connect groups, we'll be able to share and talk about these things. As we have opportunities to encourage someone else, rather than just giving advice, we can go back to the Bible and say, here's what the Bible has done in my life and the impact and the change that it's making in my life practically. 